sort of a, a housekeeping matter. One of the things I like to fairly regularly say, and I haven't said for a number of Sundays, is it's great and wonderful and crucial to have children in church here. So if your child is making noise or something like that, remember, I have a microphone. And you may not know this, but when I was in seminary, my training parish was literally under the flight path for, for O'Hare Airport. So I can talk over anything. Now, this is not planned, but I'll use this special effect over here of the sun. This is what we usually picture Easter morning, the empty tomb, the beautiful sun, maybe some tulips growing up around it. But if you woke up early enough this morning, you saw the fog, the fog that was covering the land, that may have even kept you from driving for a while. What the women who we heard about in the gospel a few minutes ago would have preferred is the fog to the bright light. Because they were going out in danger to go to that tomb that they didn't know was empty. They were going to prepare Jesus' body for burial with ointments, with spices. And they were in danger because Jesus, after all, had been killed by the Roman soldiers. And those Roman soldiers were still plentiful all over Jerusalem, patrolling the streets, trying to make sure none of that Jesus rabble or any of the other crazies that they, as they saw them, who were wandering around Jerusalem during the Passover feast, making sure all those people behaved. So as this group of women headed towards the tomb, they would have loved the cover of fog. They would have loved to have that shroud of mist embrace them and hide them. They were doing something very risky. And it's kind of interesting that there were no men along. The 11 apostles, they were playing it safe. They were back behind locked doors. They were happy to set those women off to do the dangerous work. And they themselves were almost literally scared to death that they too would be killed as their Lord and Master Jesus had been. So these women go to the tomb, and as they headed over there, I'm pretty sure that at least in part, they were thinking about how they got there. Now, one thing you may not realize is that Mary of Magdala and Joanna, who are mentioned in this morning's gospel, are also mentioned in the eighth chapter of Luke, this morning's gospel, as women who followed Jesus throughout Galilee and who provided for Jesus and his apostles out of their own means, as the gospel puts it. That they were women of wealth. They had enough that they could pay for the traveling expenses of not just 12, not just Jesus, but dozens of people who were following Jesus. These, these women were bankrolling this operation. They were crucial to Jesus' ministry. And so, as they walked along, I bet they were thinking about the wonderful times that they spent with Jesus, the times when he treated them as equals to the men, the times where he healed them, the times where he 
had the word of comfort at just the right moment for them. The times when he didn't look past them, but talked to them, even when there were lots of men around. That would have been unusual in that day and age, especially for a learned rabbi, as Jesus was seen to be. So, they go to the tomb, and the stone is rolled away. No small task. That was a heavy stone. And they are surprised to see Jesus' body's not there. And as they are standing there in surprise, two angels appear. And the women, it says, are understandably frightened. Any of us would be to suddenly have two supernatural figures appear out of nowhere. And those two angels start to talk to them. Now, you probably didn't think of this, I'm happy to say, but at least 100 years ago, many in the audience hearing this, many in the congregation listening to this gospel story would have said, there are no men there. Who are the valid witnesses? There are no men to hear what the angels are saying. And the angels aren't standing there going, um, Mary, Joanna, where are the men? We can't tell you this stuff. No, instead, they tell Mary, Joanna, and the rest of the women there, remember how Jesus told you in Galilee, dot, 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 dot. Now, until about 50 years ago, the mostly male biblical commentators wrote that that must be a misprint. Because how did these women hear what Jesus said in Galilee? Because what the angels are referring to are words that the gospel says only the disciples heard. And women could not have been among Jesus' disciples. And so rather than have their own sexism confronted, those commentators said it's a misprint. Some scribe at some time must have messed that up. One even said that Luke made a mistake there and copied from the wrong location another source. He could not wrap his brain around the women being the people that the angels chose to speak with. And then the story continues of the women going back to the apostles, and this one is almost written for humorous effect. The 11 saying, this is an idle tale. It's a wonderful phrase, an idle tale, these women are telling us, wishful thinking. It's a tough word to translate. This is the only place it appears in the Bible. It appears in other places in Greek. And in those other places, it's a term of humor and derision. So one English translator said, this should be translated as twaddle. There's an Easter word for you, twaddle. Use it this morning at brunch. <laughs> These women are speaking twaddle to us. The men are so dismissive. They are totally ignoring that what Jesus had told them, as Jesus had told the women, was actually coming true. These were men who had seen all sorts of amazing events take place as they walked with Jesus. Healings, appearances of Elijah and Moses, all sorts of things. And, of course, the events of Good Friday were devastating to all of the followers of Jesus, and frightening, and disorienting. But here was the good news right in front of them, and the apostles were calling it nonsense. Well, Peter then runs to the tomb to see for himself what's going on. And I bet he was thinking, 
those angels will be waiting for me because I'm a man and I can be a valid witness. He gets there and the tomb's empty. The angels have long gone. They've told sufficient to sufficient people. And Peter, it says in the Greek, goes home alone to ponder this with, with wonder. The English that we have is, is a, a muck-up of that. That Peter kind of gets it, but not fully. And he's open to learning more, to being inspired more, to being filled by the Spirit, but he still doesn't quite get it. Through this first Easter morning, it's only the women who understand what's happened. It's only the women who are able to experience the joy and wonder of the resurrection. It's only the women who allow the fear that might otherwise hold them back be dissipated by God's love. This is a fantastic resurrection story. And if you look at the other resurrection stories and the other gospels, they all have similar features. The primary witnesses are always the women. They're always the ones who are spoken to first, and sometimes they're the only ones. And there's a big reason for that. God knows that the authorities, in whatever age, in whatever institution, often don't get it right, and often are blinded and deafened by their own sense of what the world should be and how it should work. And it's often the folks who are on the edges of the world, on the edges of communities, on the edges of societies, on the edges of institutions that are open to something different, are open to God's love expressed in new ways. And so what we are called to do on this Easter morning and every day of our lives is to make sure we step the edge every once in a while, hopefully frequently, to wherever it is where we can let go of our preconceptions, to wherever it is where we might be tempted to call God's love nothing but trouble, and listen to what God is saying, and keep our eyes open to what God is doing. Because God's resurrection power is still moving through the world. It's still moving through the lives of human beings. It's still working to make the world a better place, usually through the activities of human beings. And so our role as Christians is to allow that to happen through ourselves and to celebrate it when we see it happening in others rather than being resentful or greedy for that message as the 11 apostles were on the first Easter. This is the day to celebrate, but so is every day. To celebrate with Mary and Joanna and the rest of the women that something marvelous, unexpected, and glorious has happened. And it continues to happen each and every day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.